0: Iridescent hue. She looked like an antique figurine on ball bearings, wound up and set loose, magnificently incongruous upon the modern streets. Her house stood at the corner, that Greek revival house with six columns and a stucco front and a frieze above the columns featuring all the signs of the zodiac. I am a Scorpio, Miss Iona liked to announce creature of earth and fire. Once, Miss Iona's house had been at the outskirts of town, but now it stood smack in the middle of speed. People said it was a shame to let a house like that run down. In the summer you couldn't see the front of her house from the sidewalk because of the live oaks and the camellias and the wisteria and all the vines, but anybody could look in during the winter, or even now in early spring, and see that the paint was peeling from the freeze and the porch had begun to crumble. Strangers threw icy cups on the lawn. A row of parking meters had been installed on the block, and everything in general had grown much too close to everything else. When Miss Iona grew up in that house, she could sit on the front porch for hours and not see a living soul. Right out in the country it had been, surrounded by trees and fields, but the town had crawled toward it inexorably, tastelessly. First came the filling stations, with their strings of plastic pennants and their giveaway silverware. Then came the truck stops, earls, and the house-o'-good eats. And finally, irreparably, the sidewalk. Miss Iona used to hope that a raging fire, or some similar holocaust of appropriate intensity, would come to destroy Earls and the House good Eats. But after the sidewalk was built, she gave up. A sidewalk is most difficult to destroy. Miss Iona walked to work in every weather. She didn't have to work, but she wanted to. She always had. It was her vocation. Going now along her usual route, she passed first by the block of dentists and doctors' offices and small stores. Some of the stores had been carved from large houses like her own, and in these cases the rest of the house was usually used for storage space. The Broadway House of Beauty stood on the corner at the end of this block, and every time she saw it, Miss Iona nearly died. It was pink and green, for one thing. And years ago, it had been the home of Robert and Eugenia Shepherd, right after their marriage. And before Eugenia was seized with the vapors and died. Eugenia, the delicate cousin. In the next block... Miss Iona passed along a row of newer buildings with dollar stores and clothing shops on the ground floor, insurance agencies and other offices one story up. In the center of the block was a store specializing in prosthetic devices. Miss Iona had never glanced into its window, and she never would. Prosthetic devices were vulgar. The last block was the one along the square. "'which used to be all that there was to speed. "'And she passed the old bank and the hardware store with a clock out front, "'and then she reached the tiny messenger office itself, "'wedged in between the laundry and the family shop. "'Many people spoke to Miss Iona. "'Sometimes she inclined her head in reply, but more often she did not. "'Speed was growing fast.' People were walking faster in the square. Something new was going on, and Miss Iona knew it. She climbed the steps to the office, waving first to deaf and dumb Will, who sat at the lineotype machine on the first floor. Will grinned and grinned. He was always grinning. He had been at the Messenger almost as long as Miss Iona herself. "'ever since her father had sent him to the special school, "'and he thought she was a grand lady. "'Sitting behind her father's old desk, "'Miss Iona nibbled delicately at a slice of candied orange peel "'and mused upon her destiny. "'She saw herself as the custodian of beauty and truth in speed, "'the champion of the pure and good.' As society and ladies' editor of the Weekly Messenger, she controlled the public life of Speed. She announced the births of babies in her column, Hello There. She wrote all the obituaries. In between, she took care of weddings and anniversaries and parties and club meetings, and all the other important events that marked the passing of time in Speed. What was the good of having a party if Miss Iona didn't write it up? You might as well not have bothered. What was the good of wearing a silver lamé dress if Miss Iona wrote you up in beige lace? The truth is what you read in the paper. Sometimes Miss Iona was incomprehensible. Once, she put Grecian urns of bougainvillea in every home and at every wedding for months on end. Sometimes she draped everyone in mink, regardless of the season. She decorated tables to suit her fancy, and put Potoswa slippers on whom she chose. Owing to these pensions, Miss Iona was a figure of much controversy in speed. In the women's pages of the paper, everything was elegant. Brides came down the aisle arrayed in beauty and grace and light... "'and sometimes their dresses weren't mentioned at all. "'So that if you wanted to sit down on your sofa at home "'and read the paper and review the whole thing in your mind's eye, "'you had a hard time with nothing but beauty and light to go on. "'Some people didn't like the way Miss Iona did obituaries, "'but there were others who held that they were beautiful. "'For one thing, the obituaries never read, "'So-and-so is survived by.' They read, Left in sorrow to mourn the passing of their beloved R. And there were many other differences between the style of the obituaries in, say, the mobile paper and the speed messenger. Miss Iona was exactly as old as the paper. She had become lady's editor when her father was the publisher, and she herself was a young girl all those years ago. Now her father was dead, his successor had retired, and there was this new editor, this progressive young man who was active in all the civic doings of the town. His name was Manly Neighbors, and it was a surprise to all of Speed that he kept her on. But Manly Neighbors was still a young man, and he had been taught to respect his elders. Besides. There was a gentleman's agreement in the past. So he kept her on. And often he didn't even attempt to edit her copy. Her copy was beyond him and beyond hope. From Manly Neighbors' point of view. He wrote his pages and she wrote her pages. And that was that. Besides Manly and Miss Iona, the messenger staff included Manly Neighbors' secretary, Susan Watkins, Charlie, the photographer, a man who came in to write up the high school games. Two people, a middle-aged man and a married woman, who handled the advertising. Various correspondents from the surrounding county. Deaf and dumb Will on the Linotype machine. And a legion of newsboys and menials who were concerned with the physical aspects of printing the paper. Miss Iona held herself quite aloof from menials and physical aspects. Manley was decent, but he was progressive. He hoped Miss Iona would die or retire soon, but he never voiced these thoughts, for speed was changing, and Manley couldn't ignore the changes either. Rows of little brick houses popped up in the lots outside town where the pecan groves had been, the Greeley Mansion had been made into a library, and the Bobo House had been torn down. A big neon Pepsi sign, as big as any sign in Mobile, threw its varying red light down onto the marble Confederate Major in the square's center, making him blush pink all through the night. Everywhere you look.